Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. HomeKit at CES, Zigbee 3.0, the new Vera controller, Blossom, and a little more on this crossover episode of the Smart Home Week of Update with the folks, or at least one folk, from the Home Tech FM podcast. Hey everyone, Mike Wolf here. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. This is the Smart Home Weekly Update for the week ending November 23rd, starting November 23rd. And I promised I would get one out, but I'm cheating a little bit because I was asked to be on the Home Tech FM podcast with uh, Seth Johnson, who's a smart guy. His partner in crime over there, uh, Jason Griffin, had more important things to do, like have a baby with his wife. And uh, so he was out and uh, wish Jason congratulations and uh, hopefully his new member of the family and his wife is doing well. But I wanted to uh, ask Seth if I can include this since we talked about a lot of the stories that I wrote about for the Smart Home Weekly. He said, sure. So you, if you listen to both podcasts, you'll notice that they published this uh, as well with a little bit dif- different introduction and front matter. But uh, he said, yeah, why not? And, and so I thought I would uh, use this because we talked about it, and, and I always like to have a guest when possible, although I was kind of the guest here again. But, yeah, this is a conversation about what happened over the last week or so. And we talk about a few of the different things that we saw, including the Blossom smart water controller. We also talk about Zigbee 3.0. We talk about HomePlug, or at least uh, what I've been noticing around HomePlug, a little bit of a comeback with regards to that. We talk about the Vera Smart Home Controller, and we talk a little bit about HomeKit and what to expect to see. Yes, I didn't really write about that, but that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about because we're speculating about what's going to happen at CES around HomeKit, and so you can hear us talk about that as well. It's a good conversation. Uh, Seth is a great guy, super smart. He's an in-home system integrator who gets his hands a lot dirtier than I do actually putting this stuff in, and so he really knows this stuff, as does Jason. So... If you haven't listened to their podcast already, check them out at hometech.fm. And as always, you can check out The Smart Home Show at thesmarthomeshow.com or find us at technology.fm or subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. I'm getting a lot of people to enter the contest, the new giveaway for the Dana Walk, so don't forget to do that. If you want to read the written version of, of a lot of what I talk about here, just go to smarthomeweekly.net and you can check that out as well. Hey everyone, once again, thanks for listening. And here's this week's Smart Home Weekly update slash crossover episode with the guys or one guy at least from hometech.fm. I'm doing I'm doing good. It's I love your guys' show and thanks for inviting me on and I can't wait to talk about some stuff. And actually the most important news of the week I think is uh the reason why Jason's out, right? Yeah, definitely. He he he's uh he's super excited and uh, I I as I, I think everybody should just quit what they're doing right now, go over to Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter account, you should create it and uh tweet him congratulations. His his handle his his handle on there, I say handle because I'm way old school right so his twitter handle is at jason griffing and uh just he'll get a kick out of it he's a big twitter guy too so well you know has he signed up his his kid uh for a twitter handle yet i I, I know some people would like get their kids twitter handle before they're born now so he he 
I don't know. I haven't asked him. <laughs> he probably has. <laughs> I kind of hope he doesn't, hasn't yet. I mean, it's like a little early. Right, right. No, no. I, <laughs> he, he's, he's been super busy. I, I get like sporadic text messages from him every now and then. And uh, yeah, I, I know those first couple of days are just kind of, you know, no sleep uh, and and just waking up in the middle of the night, all hours of the night. So um, we're just super happy for him and, uh, you know, want to extend our best wish congratulations to him. Yeah, and I'm glad to to give him a little well-deserved relief while – and I'm sure hopefully his wife is happy too that he's not recording a podcast because there's probably more important things to do at this point. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, um, it, it looks like we're we're kind of rounding the corner here into the end of the year, and that brings along kind of the CES news that, that comes out for the Consumer Electronics Show in 2015. Um, and there's been a ton of speculation recently about uh, HomeKit specifically – taking kind of the stage and being what everybody's going to be talking about this year. Yeah. And I feel like Apple probably should do something in terms of like some sort of announcement or whatever, because here's the thing. Apple doesn't go to CES. They they are a company that has said that they don't need to go to CES. And, you know, eventually Microsoft followed their lead and Microsoft really doesn't go to CES anymore either. They go there, like they're meeting and having meetings, but they don't have big giant booths. But I feel like home, if HomeKit's going to have a, a coming out party of sorts at CES, I feel like Apple needs to do something in the interim, like say, here's where we are with our partners, and now we're going to have our partners go and show their wares at CES. Because I feel like we're it's still very, okay, they had their big announcement. They didn't really do a whole lot with HomeKit at the last, you know, when they unveiled the new iPads at the last uh, big shindig they had. So I, I just feel like we're kind of in this weird, weird place with HomeKit. I know that you know, we had this interesting news from iDevices, I think about a week or two ago, where they came out and said, hey, we're investing $10 million in HomeKit development. And I go, man, that's a huge number. But then they got to the number by how many employees they hired and stuff. But irregardless, it's, it was kind of interesting because iDevices came out, so they're coming out with a product, but they also developed this essentially development platform in a cloud. And I, I liken them to, if you've heard of uh, Electric Imp, they're kind of like yep. an Electric Imp for HomeKit, I feel like. That's what they're becoming. And then... You know, I'm just hearing from some of the other guys that were launch announcement partners with Apple around HomeKit, like, you know, SkyBell and these other guys. They're all heads down, but they're definitely going to be having some things happening by CES. So I know that was a long kind of rambling answer, but I feel like we're in this weird place with HomeKit, but we're definitely going to see a big presence at CES. Yeah, I think we've been feeling that too. Like, it's just kind of died off and there's no more uh, news to be had about it. But it, it it's one of those things that's just, it, it's there and... I think the excitement that came from um, a vendor like Apple or a company like Apple having an interest in home automation, I, I think all these like startups like you're talking about, just they've gone heads down and they're trying to get everything they can done, uh, maybe for CES and maybe for a little bit later on. But uh, it, it seems interesting that, that CES is right around the corner. We're not hearing much from very many people, but I, I do know a couple of people and they, they are – Kind of just plugging away, trying to trying to get things things done. I see their Twitter accounts and kind of watching them from the outside, and yeah, de- de- definitely working as hard as they can to get a company off the ground before this thing launches. Yeah, and I think that I mean, you know, they've had. I mean, Apple's quietly working with these guys, and and it, it's a big thing. I mean, I think HomeKit requires, from my understanding, a special piece of silicon. Like, so every every HomeKit device that is built is going to have its own. Unique pieces of silicon. I, and my understanding is for security. So there's a lot going into this, and I think they're kind of building out this the processes and the infrastructure and, and working hand in hand with these guys. But 
I just don't think it was like something you could turn around quickly. So, but my feeling is if they're going to have this big coming out party with their partners at CES, Apple, what do you are you going to do something in between? Because I I don't feel like they should have everyone have their coming out party and Apple doesn't do anything before then, right? Right, right. Yeah, I I chatted with a developer that it seems to have reverse engineered it already for. Uh, I guess it's he's he's written a Mac program. He's put it up on GitHub, um, as as a hacker does, you know. And I, I was talking with him, and he said that it doesn't. That I, I think they are. I think you're right. They are requiring some kind of chip um, that they're going to put this in and, and you know lock it down with. But uh, he was saying that it's basically Bonjour, which is their auto discovery proto- protocol that they license. Yeah. And um, some kind of encryption. So maybe that chip does both at the same time. I'm not sure. I thought that was interesting interesting that you can do it in software, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting that it is Bonjour, which is kind of like, you know, that came out, you know, around the same time that UPnP and DLNA was coming out. And we've yet to see the the non-Apple world take these old technologies and say, we're going to make these kind of a Internet of Things or smart home technology. Um, which is surprising. They've kind of all kind of going to clean sheets of paper, but Apple is kind of using what it knows already in its old technology. Maybe it's better architected and saying Bonjour. If that's true, what you're saying, if Bonjour is kind of the foundation, I think that's interesting. Yeah, well, it it does work. I mean, the the AirPrint and and all that stuff has a Bonjour component. If I, I remember correctly, you can... You can kind of there's a little Bonjour browser that you can launch and and see all the stuff that's on your network that supports Bonjour. So, um, I guess if it if it's not broken, <laughs> why reinvent the wheel on it? You know, uh, and they they've been licensing that thing for years, so they they probably know how to probably know how to do it uh, right. Um, I guess we could move on and talk a little bit about some some hardware that we have coming out uh, here uh, this week. Uh, looks like Blossom Smart Watering Controller came out and is now yeah. available. Yeah, and I used a shameful title for my last podcast episode because <laughs> I, I actually talked to Blossom um, yesterday, and I, I turned around quick, and I called it a very special episode of, with Blossom. Um, so it was a Blossom reference, but uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. So, um, but you know the real the real reason I I talked to them and I paid attention because I'm and like you guys, I think you know I'm I'm becoming increasingly cautious when talking to companies that are coming out big with their first with the Kickstarter campaign um, because I feel like there's so many, so many failures and oftentimes, you know, like I say, it's like a, you know, it's more like notes on a napkin than a real business at, at some point. But right. if you look at the, the pedigree, so I have kind of a checklist. So if they have a product that they would be coming out regardless of, of the Kickstarter, that that's one that's important to me. And then what is the pedigree of the management team? And so the real reason that they, they came to my notice is I got an email from Matt McRae, who's the CTO of Vizio, who's an old friend of mine. He used to work at – I know him from the Linksys days, and he's the chairman of the company. And so I thought, okay, that's like a big – you know, that's like a big checklist item for me. Like this is a guy who's has like multiple patents to his name. He's the CTO of a big TV company, and he's now doing a, a startup called Blossom. So I think, okay, they're worth talking to. And so I talked to – um I talked to them yesterday and just kind of heard a little about, a bit about them. And they're, I asked them, you know, how they're different from Rachio. And you can listen to the podcast to find out. But, you know, because Rachio is a similar idea, like this kind of connected um, smart home uh, irrigation system where you can kind of control the watering of your your, your lawn, et cetera. And, but what was interesting to me about them is they actually are using HomePlug as a technology. And I'm a big – and I'm, I think I'm going to write some more about HomePlug because I feel like it's this technology that's coming back from the dead a little bit. 
Um, and I don't know if you're as big a fan of HomePlug as me, but I, I've, I've just almost replaced Wi-Fi in my home for, for streaming with HomePlug just because it just works so much better because I continuously have Wi-Fi issues. I've but, never actually – is it a power line thing? I've never actually heard of it. Yeah, so HomePlug is – it's it's networking over power line and it really kind of it's, – it's, it's weird because it, like, it was created like 15 years ago and they're on their third generation. But you could buy HomePlug adapters on Amazon and just go read the reviews. Like people love it. HomePlug is actually more – popular in Europe than it is in the US, but it's still pretty popular here. And you could buy HomePlug adapters from Netgear and from Linksys, but yeah, it, it's it's much better reach, right? So you could reach across a giant house. And I don't necessarily have a giant house, but I have a lot of walls, you know, two levels. And Wi-Fi doesn't reach that, that far. It doesn't do a good job streaming video, but HomePlug is is seamless. So huh. anyway, so they, they come out with their device. It has HomePlug and Wi-Fi. And so I I just think it's interesting. And then another interesting, I guess, sub kind of subplot to their stories. I just see more and more people doing interesting things around around water because I feel like energy and lighting and all that was kind of the first wave of smart home in terms of these new new kind of DIY companies. But I feel like I'm seeing more and more action around just water usage in the home, and I think that's going to be a big thing for 2015. Yeah, I I've noticed that too. Um, it's kind of an older technology, uh, water cop. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No, I haven't. It, it's it's basically a it's not a smart device at all. Uh, it is a a little wireless system that you can install, and um, we we've been doing this for years uh, here in Florida. And you put these little sensors, you put these little sensors uh, around the house, you know, where a water leak may occur, like under a sink or hot water heater, that kind of thing. Uh, and then the water cup is it, just basically a relay uh, at the um, the valve, the main valve for the house, and it, it'll kick off kick off. If it detects a leak, it'll just kick off all the water in the house and, and shut everything down. Um, so it's to me, it's kind of like you know all, all this stuff is kind of rolling back around, and we're seeing uh, things that that, uh, that that have kind of been dumb, I guess, dumb devices out there, uh, kind of being integrated into the house. And, and definitely, a uh, a smart home sprinkler controller is one of those things. And now now that I have uh, my house, I'm. I'm definitely looking at one of these types of devices. Uh, this is gonna it's gonna make it a little tougher because uh, I was looking at Rashio, and uh, and now this one looks like it's it's starting off too. So um, kind of yeah, kinda, and I don't know I, which I, one to get. <laughs> yeah, so you have more choice here, and you know we're gonna bring the story up later, but I'll just mention it now. Uh, another Kickstarter, and this one you know is a company that's been around for a little while, but uh, they they're they're launching a, they're a company called Sunovations, and they launch a product called Aquanta. Which basically is a retrofit onto your existing water heater that allows you monitor the amount of energy you're using, you're using on your hot water heater, and just it's so I just feel like um, people are realizing how much uh, how much and how important water is to the house, and kind of focusing in on that a little more. So I think though these two stories this week are just kind of interesting. No, it, it's and we can definitely talk about that too right now. Um, it, it's it's interesting that. Uh, that you have all these little devices kind of living in their own ecosystem. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily know how long this is going to last. Right. Like there, there's gotta be, maybe, maybe HomeKit is kind of one of those bridges and maybe there's something else that just it doesn't exist yet that bridges all of these um, devices like this together and, and kind of gives you just a broad overview of your water usage and how much energy went into heating the water heater and that kind of thing. Uh, kind of in a, in a dashboard, I guess. But if you wanted to really get down into the nitty-gritty settings of, of uh, maybe the Aquanta and, and, and see exactly 
um, what you were using all your water on, <laughs> water hot water on. Um, maybe maybe you go into their app and use that. I, I don't know. I just it seems like all these tiny little devices are getting these these massive ecosystems built around them. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like they're you know all these guys are going to innovate first on creating their very specific functionality and and this they have a sensor. They'll build some data models and ability to build dashboards around, okay, I can monitor water usage, but I think then the next wave is once they get that launch, they go, okay, look around. Okay, how do we integrate with HomeKit? How do we integrate with, with Nest? And so I feel I feel like there's kind of this race to kind of be like the first in like this very specific feature set and, and product focus, and then they're going to integrate with the ecosystems. Yeah, and, and that's typically – that's typically how it's been done in the past. When you had a new product hit the market, um, it takes a while to get all the bugs worked out and then look at you know integrating with um, a Crestron system or Control 4 system. You, you never write that API until later. Uh, but it, I don't know. I'm, I, I come from like the web background where the, you know APIs were everything. <laughs> Every if you, if you get you some some services like even Twitter. Um, that, that that was just an API. <laughs> it wasn't even a front end that anybody liked until a couple guys got together and 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 made a made an app or two for it that that people that Twitter actually took off the ground. Um, so I, I I I'm just kind of hoping that maybe for whatever reason I'm hoping that the uh, the home uh, gets wrapped around some kind of API and that they all just everything wants to talk together. Yeah, and I think that's like part of this larger conversation about HomeKit and and all seen all join. And I I feel like you know, so if you looked at like if there's new products coming to market around the home network ten years ago, they would all write to Universal Plug and Play, or if it's Apple centric, they would integrate Bonjour. Um, I f- I feel like that'll happen eventually in maybe a year or two. So a Quanta, if it's launching a year from now, it might you know it might come to market now and it not be integrated with HomeKit, but a year from now that'll probably be a different story. So Hopefully, what you're hoping for is like all these, I guess, software frameworks that have APIs will mature a little bit. And then the companies doing the innovation around new product kind of focus uh, point products will be integrated out of the gate. Right, right. This Aquana thing looks pretty cool. It, it's just a little box that installs on top of your water heater. And then you it looks like you take a valve off. So there, there is some some DIY uh, there's there's going to be some tools involved in, in getting this thing up and going. Yeah, and it, but it also leverages a trend that I've been writing about in that I, it, it's a retrofit. Like it's not like if this isn't like replacing your water heater, although that'd be insane. No one would ever do that. But it is kind of retrofitting onto existing equipment, which and and allowing you to take all you have. And you're just adding this extra sensor. So I think that's an important trend. I mean, I, I feel like this the Roost Smart Battery. And then, um, you know, other some other things are allowing people to basically use what they have rather than kind of doing what I call forklift upgrades. Yeah, you know, that's that's a, that's a good point. I never really thought of it from that direction, but um, you know, everybody the the cliche in the in the smart home business is that the smart refrigerator, right, with the touch screen on it, <laughs> where you can order all your groceries and everything. Um, and and maybe the smart refrigerator doesn't look like that it maybe it's it's a regular refrigerator that you have in your house and you stick a device inside of it or you know on it somewhere and that's what get, makes a smart refrigerator you know that maybe that's maybe we're we're coming at all this the wrong way <laughs> by trying to yeah. make expensive yeah, I think product we're, we're kind of if you think about it like you have you have things like the egg minder like i think quirky made that where you can actually you know it's very right. focused and it seems kind of silly you can actually monitor how many eggs you have but but if that was like 
you know, maybe towards like milk and it can monitor how fresh your milk is. I think maybe you could retrofit your, your refrigerator with existing stuff that rather than replacing the refrigerator. That said, I mean, I've been talking to these companies like GE and, and, and LG and some Samsung, and they're all investing lots of money and in trying to make the refrigerator smart. And I know it's a cliche, but I feel like in five years we'll be where at the point where they can really tell you how fresh your milk is, you know? And so like, forget about the internet, the monitor or the touchscreen on the front of the, the, the refrigerator. That's been like a cliche for like a decade, but I feel <laughs> like if somebody could really tell you when you're shopping, how much milk you have and how fresh it is, that that's probably valuable. No, definitely. <laughs> They're printing and, again. Aren't they? And someone's printing again. <laughs> like you could just keep this in. Like if you want, someone just decides to print next to me during podcasts. Apparently. So that's awesome. <laughs> so, so all of these devices, um, eventually we'll talk to a controller or, or maybe not, but one company came out this week uh, w- with a new controller that might not be as new as, as, as what people were hoping, but it looks like Vera came out with a new, what they're calling the Edge controller. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the article. Um, and actually, I saw the, the timeline on Facebook where they have uh, a very active support support guys writing about <laughs> what's, what's the difference. So Vera does a pretty good job on their Facebook page. But it looks like basically it's just a little bit faster, a little bit more memory. Um, but I, I also saw what the main one of the main differences is it actually has a faster form of Wi-Fi, but it didn't move to 802.11.ac, which I thought was interesting. So, yeah, it seems like more just iterative up, upgrade. It's not like this thing with a lot of new functionality. Yeah, a lot of the people on there were saying, you know, it's just a, a Vera light with with black plastic wrapped around it than, than green, but. You know, from an engineering standpoint, I completely understand uh, kind of getting locked into hardware that you have out there that you have to deal with older hardware and older drivers and older software. Um, and, and sometimes you just want to iterate <laughs> your hardware and get it up to speed to where you think it needs to be so you can introduce a new feature later on. And, ma- and maybe that's what they needed to do with this, uh, the Vera Edge. But it doesn't, it doesn't cost very much. I think it was 179 in the U.S.? Yeah, but I'd love to ask you as a an integrator, is that a product that on the low end integrators will install? Because um, it feels like it is obviously some DIY from a price point perspective, but is it a product that you also see some integrators building around? I've seen a couple. Uh, I know that they have an integrator program uh, both in the U.S. and overseas, uh, but I I don't I I don't know of any you know the the most that we talk about are things like Control Four and Crestron and that kind of thing. Uh, but the Vera, we've actually used Vera in conjunction with Control 4 so as a bridge over into Z-Wave devices. So you'll see Train come out with a thermostat that has Z-Wave built into it. And what will end up happening is the HVAC guy will, will sell that thermostat in that system. Because um, quite frankly, look, they look pretty cool. It's like a touchscreen thermostat. And we can't integrate with it with our control system. So we end up taking a Vera and kind of putting it as a intermediate device in between control four and that thermostat just as basically a bridge to get the information to and from that thermostat. So um, that's just about all we've used Vera for, but uh, I, I know there are some dealers out there who actually use it kind of as a primary home automation platform too. Um, they may not be as, as big as what we do, but they, they need something to go to and they need something that they like to tweak and they'll use Vera. You know, um, Vera is an interesting company because I, I feel like if you've talked to them, they were really developed at first, the, the outset, 
at the outset to create a software framework, kind of a platform, kind of like almost like if you think of like a Zonoff. Yep. Um, but they they built uh, Mi Casa Verde. They built their own hardware to kind of show that it works, and that became a real business. And it's actually, I think, still part of the bigger part of their business now. But they're getting a lot of people now to build around the software that that Vera is based on. Yeah, and I know that they are. Hey, it's one of those those tweaker type. Um, well, in the past, they've traditionally been one of those tweaker type uh, prosumer hobbyist kind of uh, devices. Um, and, and so much in the fact, I think that you can get different like iPhone and Android apps that, that work and integrate with it as well. So you don't have to have like the main Vera app, uh, the one that they ship. You can use something else, which I, I think is really cool because um, a lot of times people on the sidelines may have a better interface idea or they may want to do something a little bit different. And you may like that a little bit better um, than what the manufacturer puts out there. And I, I, I always like I always like that because it just kind of it gives you the consumer or you the end user um, the the most options, I guess, uh, is what I'm looking for, and uh, that's that's kind of why I've always liked Vera as a company, Mikasa Verde, the old the old name of it. But uh, I've always liked I've always liked what they were doing with that product. Yeah, but I I think that's word like when I see here the word tweaker, I feel like it's kind of a maybe tweener. Like they're like in this weird space in that they're they're not like. Um, seen as like this ultra low cost, like smart things or like a wink type of DIY solution. They're a little bit higher and they're a little bit more, they're a little older so that they're kind of maybe tailored more towards like uh, maybe the enthusiast that was knowledgeable. So I feel like, I don't know if they're, I, I hope this doesn't happen that they're kind of left behind because I think it's a cool company and they're doing some cool stuff, but I feel like they're not getting the type of name recognition that some of these other companies are. Oh no, I completely agree. I mean, it's, um, I don't know if it's just a different in, difference in like marketing campaigns, um, but I I think Vera can do or has been doing more the same, if not more, than things like companies like Smart Things, uh, and they're not getting like you said they're not getting their 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 time in the spotlight. And I, I'm not sure why that is. Um, maybe it is a, a, a the way things get set up. To me, the Vera system is kind of easy to set up, but. Uh, smart things is pretty simple too, so maybe that's the maybe that's the real issue. I, maybe they were just like two years too early. Like if they came two years later, they would have been the smart things. <laughs> right, right. They, everybody would have been talking about Mikasa Verde and you know not not smart things. Well, you know, if it's the, what do you think of the Arlo camera? Do you have do you have a network camera? Do you have like a, a drop cam or or do you what do you use in your house? I, I'm looking at these Arlo cameras now. <laughs> I, I don't have anything like this. Uh, we, at the office, we have some cameras that we use, but I really like this. I'm thinking about picking up a couple. Yeah, I've been using a Simply Cam, um, and I actually like it. It's it's pretty cool camera, and they actually I think they're gonna have some news at CES. But they're the company that came out and said we have face um, detection technology, so they don't have face recognition, but they have face detection technology. And I thought that was kind of interesting, different Jader. But you have we have some news here this week that Netgear announced their Arlo camera. Yeah, and this looks really cool. It's it's a it's an outdoor waterproof network camera that I mean it, it it's actually completely wireless from what I can tell. It doesn't even look like it needs no. It, it runs on a set of replaceable batteries, so you don't even need to to run any power lines to it. Which was always my joke when I. When people came to me and, and asked me, uh, I need a wireless camera, well, 
you still have to have a wire because you still have to plug it in somewhere. But this one, this one's completely different. It's waterproof, so you can stick it outside. They have a picture of one kind of stuck on a stick. Uh, I guess it signifies it's, you could mount it in a tree if you wanted to and, and face it out. And I guess it, it just looks for motion and triggers on motion or something. And then we'll record a little thing and, and send it over Wi-Fi to you. Yeah, and I was looking at this article on The Verge, and I thought, okay, you have to kind of figure out what they're always talking about here. Because it said four to six months of battery life, and I thought, that sounds impossible with Wi-Fi and video. Like, those two combinations are just speak of power power consumption to me. Right. But then they, I think they said how there's like an additional um, – if you use an additional base and it doesn't talk, connect directly to the router, that's how it conserves the battery using low-power Wi-Fi, I guess. Which is which is pretty cool. I mean, it, it, I can think of a number of w- ways this would be useful for people who may want to just toss a camera out in the in the backyard to see what critter is getting into the the garbage can, or maybe they have a neighbor they want to keep an eye on for a little bit. You know, like they could just toss a camera out there and see who's trespassing across their lawn at night. Um, and for I think it's like three forty nine. Like that's that's not an expensive investment for, for something. Two. Yeah, it comes to two. Oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, just toss a couple out there, and then you don't have to. You could you could do that, set that up, and have them sitting out there for that little amount of time, two or three weeks, and then uh, bring them back in and use them in the house as you know, plug them in and, and use them as you know, home monitors, and and they connect right. It looks like they they upload the video out to the the cloud, of course. And uh, there's a nice little app that accompanies it, and you can kind of see what's been going on. Yeah, I can't wait to try this one out because I feel like and, – and hear the reviews because it, if it really does have that type of, like, battery life, that's impressive. Because, like, uh, I, I have a feeling that, that – it just seems like video over Wi-Fi four to six months on, on a set of batteries. If that really works, that's impressive. I wonder what kind of batteries they're using. <laughs> so car really car batteries? Yeah. It's like, yeah, a set, a set of car batteries. You're going to need to die hard for this one. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, I agree. It's a very, very cool product. Um, looks really good, too. Like, very good industrial design on it. Um, it. It doesn't look like it would stand out very much if you had it sitting in your house. Maybe it would. I don't know. It kind of looks like a, a security motion detector. But you could kind of tuck this away and have it as a security camera inside the house, too, and I don't think anybody would notice or complain about it. Very cool. So it looks like Zigbee has released their new 3.0 standard, and um, that is interesting because it it looks like it's basically they've kind of want to summarize all of the other standards that were part of Zigbee before. So I'm going to read a couple of these that they, they have on here. Home automation, light link, building automation, retail services, healthcare, and telecommunication standards. Uh, so those are like all different versions of Zigbee that are all a standard. Uh, and I think Zigbee HA is, is used by most most home automation companies. So that's Zigbee Home Automation. But now it looks like they've figured out that this is all pretty much the same stuff. <laughs> you're, you're automating a building, so let's put it all together. And... I don't know. I I think we talked a little bit about this kind of before we were started recording, and it seems like Zigbee is just kind of like the last to make any moves and the last to really, I don't know. It, it seems like, I think you said it best, if you were to pick one that is not going to be around in a couple of years, maybe five, ten years, it, it might be Zigbee. 
Uh, and I, I kind of feel the same way. It, it doesn't seem like a very innovative platform. Maybe it is. I, I don't know much about these wireless standards, even though I deal with Zigbee every single day when I work on Control 4 equipment. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really understand why it doesn't have such a massive following. Like uh, if you think like Insteon or Z-Wave, I, I would follow those and keep up with those types of protocols a little bit more than I would Z, Zigbee. Yeah, I think the most telling quote from this article from CE Pro, which I think we're refer- referencing, is um, the guy says, you know, the lessons from the Alliance members when taking products to market around the world uh, that would have allowed us to unify our application standards into a single standard. Um, basically, they're basically talking about how they need a, to unify at the application layer rather than having a bunch of different software profiles for all sorts of different types of end-use applications. and. That's really been the, the problem with, with Zigbee is like you had to s- kind of lower down the stack. You had the same foundational technology built on 802.15.4, but then you had these software profiles that allowed it to be like a, a maybe it's a remote. I mean, they're, this company out of out of the out of Europe, Greenpeak, talks about their Zigbee story and how they just have you know millions and millions of Zigbee chipsets in the U.S. Well, they're all in they're all in remote remote controls by Comcast and Time Warner, but they aren't doing any sort of smart home stuff. Imagine if all that, those, those Zigbee chips were, you know, ready to do smart home stuff. So like you bought like a Zigbee device and then you can control with your Comcast remote. How cool would that be? But no, you can't because Zigbee didn't do a good job at the beginning and it's a kind of a mess. So I think they're kind of learning the lesson. The question is, is it too late? You know, so is, are they going to be able to adjust uh, to where they can fight back against, you know, the threads of the world and the Bluetooth low energy and all these other technologies that have evolved faster and seem like they're in a better place to maybe build around us the smart home. Yeah, yeah, that's. that's a, I kind of feel the same way. I, I just wonder if it's too little, too late. I think the most telling quote actually is a little bit further down the page, though. And it's one of the comments. It's actually the only <laughs> comment. Oh no! It's a guy that says. Uh, it had better interoperate with Thread if they hope for any traction. And <laughs> it's hilarious because Thread is a completely different. Well, it's 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 built on eight hundred two fifteen four, but it's it's a it's a competing standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it was ominous when when Thread came out that like a couple of the key Zigbee chipset providers were founding members of the Thread right right Thread group. Like that that is like kind of scary if you're if you're Zigbee. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's, it's just I don't know. It's it's a it's funny that uh, it's funny that it's taken them this long to realize that maybe they shouldn't have this like a shotgun approach to this, and maybe they just needed to whittle down and and uh, kind of focus on what most of their their users are, or I guess their alliance group members are are doing. Um, but you know, hopefully, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, they come out and 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 gain some traction and, and move along. But I think things like thread are, are probably going to be where we end up uh, in with home automation communication standards. Um, it it kind of seems like it's all kind of going that way anyway. Yeah. You made a good point though at the beginning before we recorded, it's like, you know, there have been companies that have made big bets on Zigbee like control four and they've built it into their system. So if there's a reason why Zigbee won't go away, it's because, like, you know, big company, there are some big companies who have really bet on Zigbee. I mean, let's let's face it, it, it the world would be simpler with less radio technologies, right? So I think, you know, if one went away, it would make it easier. But I think that if there's millions of homes already with, like, maybe some Zigbee smart home, then that makes it harder because that's a market that's already there. 
Right, right. No, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. And you know, Control Four is not the only one. Crestron has kind of their own version of Zigbee Two. Um, there, there, there's a handful of other companies that have kind of s- s- put their eggs in the Zigbee basket, and uh, that's that's which way they they've gone. And I, I know that it's very hard. Like that's not something that's easy to change out of your platform. Like it's it either has to be there from the beginning. You have to really think about what protocols and what standards you want to build your product around. And uh, you just kind of have to run with that because it's it's not an easy thing to um, put a, another standard and switch your entire user base over to another standard that doesn't work with, with the one you had like two months ago. You, you just can't do that as a manufacturer. So, um, yeah, we'll see we'll see what ends up happening with these guys. And, um, you know, maybe they'll just be around for the, the, the higher-end, professionally installed uh market and 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 not so much in the diy space but well mike i just want to thank you again so much for coming on the the show here and joining us on home tech uh, and and sharing your your valuable insights into the, some of these news stories we had here uh and and bringing a couple of them to the table i hadn't even seen before yeah this was a lot of fun let's let's do it again i need to have you guys on my show and hopefully else we'll we'll get to see each other again face to face at ces i think last we saw each other in denver at cdl but uh, yeah, are you heading over to CES this year? I uh, I probably won't simply oh. because it's our, our like our, it's our season here in ah, in Sarasota. Okay. Yeah, we're we're extremely busy and it's insane right now. On top of that, I will probably be remodeling a house, <laughs> trying oh, to yeah. move in. So I I won't be out at at CES this year. But uh, I'm not sure about Jason. I I kind of have a feeling he's going to have his hands full too so <laughs> yeah yeah his wife she's like you want to go to vegas right to vegas of all places vegas now <laughs> we definitely do need to catch up again and uh thank just thanks for coming on all right man thanks a lot well that was it i hope you enjoyed that update it was fun talking with seth and talking over the week's news and and speculating a little bit about things like HomeKit and the future of zigbee and all those other important matters in the smart home world like I said, if you want to listen to their podcast, just go to hometech.fm. You can find out more about them. If you want to listen to the Smart Home Show, if you haven't already subscribed, just go to technology.fm. You can find the Smart Home Show there or go to thesmarthomeshow.com. It'll take you to the same place. And as always, sign up in iTunes or Stitcher. We appreciate that as well. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Oh, by the way, before I go, I have another crossover episode to publish. I did a conversation with the fun folks over at Far Stuff, another member of the technology.fm podcast collective. Focused on consumer internet of things, the smart home. And I think I'm going to publish that tomorrow because I think that's what we coordinated. They're going to publish it and I'll publish it at the same time. So lots of crossover goodness. It's like, it's almost like more commending me on happy days as I talked about on, <laughs> on the far stuff show. It, it's that crazy crossover goodness uh, in the podcast smart home world. All right, folks. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.